This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I am going to be joined, we are scheduled to be joined, let me say that, with uh, America's most infamous former congressman, least living former congressman, one of only six individuals ever to be expelled from the House of Representatives. That's right. Former Congressman George Santos is slated to join us, unless he lied about agreeing to appear on the show, which we certainly hope he did not. But uh, we had a nice conversation uh, yesterday, actually, and uh, he's, he was incredibly friendly. And, you know, I am in, in awe of these guys that are under federal criminal indictment or under a lot of stress, being expelled from Congress or the subject to, of a lot of lawsuits. I was just telling some of my in-laws about this on Saturday uh, that um, Rudy Giuliani, for instance, I can't even count the number of legal cases that he's involved in. And yet, when I run into Rudy Giuliani, the guy acts totally clear-headed, doesn't act stressed in the least, walks around, happy-go-lucky attitude, always smiling. And uh, I didn't see the uh, Tucker Carlson interview with Alex Jones, but from what I hear, Alex Jones, who just had something like a $1.8 billion judgment uh, against him to the Sandy Hook families, he acts in that interview the same way. So uh, my my take on talking with George Santos yesterday was uh, the guy seems very uh, look if if I was making 2 or 300,000 dollars through cameo appearances which is what the which is what the news has been reporting I guess I'd be in a pretty good mood too but uh we'll we're scheduled to talk with him in about 5 minutes meantime I did want to mention this I don't know if you heard yesterday's program if you didn't I hope you'll go back and listen to the podcast particularly of the second hour because we had on three former attorneys who were also former felons or convicted felons and they we spent a lot of time going into the Hunter Biden case we spent a lot of time going into a bunch of legal cases including all the cases that Trump was involved in it. And one of the things that we spent a little bit of time talking about both during that hour and afterwards was whether or not a president was is immune from prosecution while they're in office. I think um, there's very little debate that a president can be prosecuted for their conduct after they leave office, but what about while they're in office? And uh, different folks that we had on yesterday had differing views on that. Well, a really blockbuster ruling that came out yesterday, and I'm very eager to see the implications of. The Supreme Court has apparently agreed to fast-track consideration of whether Trump has presidential immunity on charges related to attempts to overturn the 2020 election following a request from the special counsel Jack Smith. Now, what does this mean exactly? Now, for starters, this means nothing it, this does not at all affect four 
of the cases, excuse me, three of the four criminal cases that Trump is dealing with. Doesn't affect the Georgia case, doesn't affect the Alvin Bragg case on uh, paying off Stormy Daniels. It doesn't affect the documents case that has to do with mishandling classified information. This only applies to the incidents around January 6th. And the Supreme Court has agreed. Now, this is not unprecedented. There have been, usually the way court cases go is, a court rules against you, and then you appeal that to the District Court of Appeals, and then the Supreme Court makes a determination after you appeal that decision to determine whether or not they're going to hear the case or not. Jack Smith has basically asked the Supreme Court to skip that step because and they they say that this is of such concern that this will affect uh their whole case basically if a president is totally immune from prosecution or not i actually uh read both briefs both the jack smith brief and the uh and the trump team's brief both make a very compelling case i do think and look we all know the supreme court would never be political but I do think the fact that there is a six to three conservative majority on the Supreme Court, I do think they're probably going to vote. I don't know if it's going to be six, three or five, four, because, you know, Roberts clearly is not a Trump fan. But uh, I think there's a very good chance that the Supreme Court will rule in Trump's favor, at least in part on this. We'll see where this goes. I, I don't know. That's what I would do. But I'm telling you, these justices are just as political as anybody else are. It, anybody else is. So I could absolutely see the Supreme Court ruling in Trump's favor. This is one of those five four decisions. But uh, it's very interesting. Both sides. I read the paperwork, and if you're interested in this stuff, read it because both sides lay it out very plainly with uh, with history uh, going back to the Watergate era all the way until um, more modern cases as well. Really interesting. Gets into the differences between uh, immunity in a civil case versus immunity in a, in a criminal case. So I my prediction is you heard it here first and. Uh, Jack Smith is asking for a decision or he's asking for the the Trump team has to put in their paperwork by December 20th. So um, I think it's going to be very interesting where this goes. And they're asking for a ruling from the Supreme Court forthwith. So this is going to be decided potentially within the next month or two. So the court also said it would consider on an expedited basis whether to hear uh, the case, uh, which is an indication that it takes Smith's request very seriously. It's not required to take up the case, but uh, in a brief order, the court asked Trump's legal team to respond by December 20th. So uh, previously, the uh, Trump team has said that the Nixon Watergate's tape case, and this is what Judge Chutkin ruled against, would not apply here. Jack Smith has a very different take. Hey, George Santos joins me straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 
Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head? This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, I am uh, very excited about this. Not only is my next guest one of the most sought-after interviews in America right now, but he is one of only two people alive to have been expelled from the House of Representatives. Now, when he was expelled, he was probably pretty sore at some of his former colleagues, but given the amount of money that he's rumored to be making from Cameo these days, he may want to send his former colleagues a thank you note. There's a lot of interest in this man. There's a lot of confusion about what's true, about what he's doing next, a lot of curiosity. I am very, very pleased to be joined by Former Congressman George Santos, Congressman, if I could still call you that, thanks for coming on. I know, uh, I know, you got a lot going on these days. Hey, Frank, thank you so much for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be with you on the radio. Uh, you know, it it's good to be back home. Let's just call it that way. But it's it's been one hell of a ride, twenty twenty three. That's all I can say. Oh, I can imagine. Now, let let me begin with the expulsion. I've been very vocal about this. Obviously, I don't think you should have been expelled. And, you know, again, I have a lot of issues with uh, what we know about your conduct and what's rumored about your conduct. But um, I think this is certainly something that should have been left to the voters. Others feel differently, though. They feel that the conduct that you engaged in was so egregious that your former colleagues had no choice. A lot of folks have said that the Ethics Committee report, which was bipartisan, it's not at all ambiguous in what was found. And if even half of the stuff that uh, is in there is true, that would meet the bar for corruption and make you worthy of being thrown out of Congress. Additionally, folks say that you opted not to cooperate with the investigation, basically forfeiting the due process that you had an opportunity to act on. Speak to those folks, uh, Congressman, the folks that think the Ethics Committee and the House did the right thing in throwing you out. What do you say to them? So, Frank, let me start off with the process here. Due process is not in Congress. Congress can police itself. That's fine. But they've had had a standard for 200 plus years since the inception of this country and this Congress that they just broke in order to expel me because people don't like me or because it's politically expedient. They have set a dangerous tone. Now, let's talk about the Ethics Committee. The Ethics Committee, to its own admission, did not complete the proper report 
or proper investigation load in order to recommend an expulsion or any kind of punishment. Therefore, not actually giving any kind of recommendation out of their half-baked findings. As far as me not cooperating, that is false. I cooperated. I accrued over $200,000 in legal fees throughout this process, giving them endless amounts of documents. The majority of the documents that they reviewed were provided to them by me. The only thing that my attorney said George Santos is not going to do is he is not going to come and testify to you guys. And the same day that I was supposed to be in federal court in New York, they gave me a a end-all, be-all deadline against the wall when I was supposed to be going to the DOJ. I'm not going to evade the DOJ. I'm not going to not comply with my bond and release. So they put me in an impossible situation, and they were disingenuous about it because it's politics. Now, to talk about findings, I'm just going to give you an example, because I can unpack this, but it would take hours, but an example of how corrupt and dysfunctional this process was. In the investigative subcommittee's report, it states that I did not, in fact, commit any form of sexual harassment because they were not able to corroborate and there was sufficient amount of evidence to prove otherwise that it was nothing more than a frivolous allegation. In the expulsion resolution authored by the chair of the committee, Michael Guest from Mississippi, it states a contradicting uh, opinion, saying that I did in fact engage in sexual misconduct in Congress. So which one is it? Is it the report or is it the opinion of the Mm. chair? They, They couldn't get their heads and tails aligned because it was rushed sloppy and meant to have a predetermined goal, which was give cover for members to go up under under high pedestals and say he's done, he's guilty, essentially robbing me of the presumption of innocence until proven guilty and smearing my name and taking away my right to a fair due process with an impartial jury judge. And that is what is wrong with this process that the Ethics Committee engaged in. I'll say in closing on this subject is the DOJ has been above board, a beyond reproach, and professional throughout this entire matter. The Ethics Committee was a political assassination, a hmm. joke of a process. That is what engaged, Frank. I'm not asking for people to like me. I'm not asking for people to have sympathy. I just want people to see the facts. And those are the facts. You know, it's very rare in my experience to speak with someone that's currently under federal criminal indictment, praise the Department of Justice for their handling of the case. Uh, aside from the expulsion, how are things going with your criminal case? I, I heard you tell uh, Marsha Kramer over the weekend that there were some plea negotiations. A lot of folks are saying, oh, well, you know, if you're thinking about a plea bargain, that must be something of an admission of guilt. Did you break the law as far as what you're charged with in this uh, federal criminal indictment? Well, to answer your question, it's simple. I was asked if there was if there were talks and I simply said, yes, there are talks. I didn't admit to anything and I did not say yes or no to anything. But there are conversations obviously taking place. And for, you know, the integrity of the case and of everything going on, we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Got it. And uh, no, I, I'm, a lot of folks putting aside the criminal aspect, putting aside the expulsion, a lot of folks just kind of wonder 
why someone would say so many things that even a cursory fact check would prove not to be true. Let me ask you that. Why did you say all these things when you were running that simply weren't true? Frank, when I write my book and I finish writing my book, I will go into detail about my campaign and where I what I was put to do, where I was cornered and the lack of control I had over my life and that I have been set free from finally. But all I can say to you is I am not a bad person. I did not intentionally want to hurt anybody. And if people got hurt, I have apologized and I will continue to apologize because that's the right thing to do. Now, as far as my time in Congress, Frank, I have no apologies to make. My conduct in Congress was beyond reproach. My, the bills I voted for in my voting record, I am proud of. Unlike a lot of my colleagues who go to Congress to sell the American people down the river, I did not engage in that conduct. So I'm I wanna... happy. But I do want to say this to you, Frank. I'm sorry mm -hmm. to cut you off. But go ahead. I wish that every single member of Congress was put through the same scrutiny I was put, because I'll tell you this, you'd have 435 vacant seats in the United States Congress without <laughs> any exception, with the amount of insider trading, the amount of all sorts of unethical sexual behavior that takes place, all the drinking on the job, showing up drunk, not going to vote, giving their cards out like candy to other members to vote for them. And this happens on both sides of the aisle, no question about it. And it is abhorrent. The American people's interests are not represented in Congress. The conduct of these members are really about how drunk can they get and who's the next lobbyist that they're going to go sleep with. This is literally the priorities in some members of Congress. I want to ask you about your voting record in uh, in just a minute, because I, I know you're proud of that. And a lot of folks that are constituents of yours said that even with all your controversy, they still would have voted for you because you voted kind of the way that uh, they would on a lot of different legislation. I, I understand, you know, the idea of uh, different aides coming up with a resume or different aides coming up with a life story that may not be accurate. And you feel pressured to go along with that. But even something like um, claiming that you were on the volleyball team at Pace University in that interview with Bernie and Sid, why do that? I mean, what votes is that going to get you having played volleyball? Why make something like that? I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you this. I, if I were you, I would, I would go listen to the, to, the Sid, uh, to the Sid interview that I did uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and I unpacked that. So I'm actually going to encourage your viewers to go gotcha. listen to your colleague's show because I did unpack that there. Hey, given the prism of hindsight, right? We all, you said you uh, kind of regret anybody that you may have hurt. Would you have done specific things differently over the course of the last three years? Would you, if you could go back and do it over again, are there a lot of things you would do over one or two things that you would do over, or would you do hundreds of things differently than you did them? I would have started by surrounding myself with people and different people and i would have actually not just trusted people at face value and dug more into their history but i took everything for for what they were i accepted all the amazing raving reviews they made about themselves and their friends made about themselves the best you got to be with this one that one that 
And, and at the end of the day, I got hurt really bad because of that. I was naive. I am a what second time candidate, if you call, but I've never had any work in government before. So this is all new to me. So I trusted everybody that came my way. And nobody can say George Santos doesn't pay his bills. The only bill I have open out there is legal bills. But everything else, I've never not paid my bills. And I I'm proud of that. But a lot of people who took advantage, a lot of people who did shady stuff, a lot of people who, you know, now I need to I'm, I'm suffering the consequences of that. So this is this is part of where where we are today. You know, a lot of folks will hear that. And even when I was driving in last night uh, and they were playing the coverage of your interview with Marsha Kramer, that was how they billboarded it. That was how they promoted. It. They said George Santos still refuses to take responsibility, blaming others for his downfall. Do you take any responsibility for of what take responsibility? Here? And I took responsibility on the segment. I said, obviously, this falls on me. Right. It's 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 my inefficiency, my, I guess, lack of experience and my responsibility to just trust people blindly and and not really be on top of things that I should be where the buck stops. Right. That's that's what everybody keeps saying. Of course, I take responsibility, Frank. It's just a matter of it's just a matter of, you know, what what can I do now? Right. All Mm -hmm. I can do is look forward. Sure. You know. The road of redemption is long, but I'm willing to take that road and I'm willing to go fix everything that needs to be fixing and do all the right things. As I've said er earlier this week, the truth will set me free. I mean it because I'm so done of hypocrisy. The amount of hypocrisy that takes place in this country, in government, you have members of Congress, insider, uh, insider stock trading, and they deny it when the evidence is clear by a pattern, a systematic pattern of receiving information and making trades, receiving information and making trades, all trades with privileged information that the American people at large would never have access to. So when I go out there and say these things, they get mad. But some of my fiercest critics are some of the least ethical people in Congress. Remember, everything that was said about me was conduct prior to Congress. All the allegations is conduct prior to Congress. Not one allegation other than a sexual harassment allegation that was proven to be false, frivolous from somebody who wanted attention, who is now actually running for Congress themselves because they elevated their profile. So every single thing I did in Congress, I'm proud of. My conduct was above board. Now, I can't say the same for a lot of my most biggest critics out there who have terrible reputations on Capitol Hill. I want to ask you about uh, some of your colleagues because you've been very vocal in criticizing some of the people that uh, that ousted you. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with former New York Republican Congressman George Santos, now a Cameo star, rumored to be pulling in big bucks on Cameo. So if you need a birthday or an anniversary wish, you could certainly find him on there. My last question about looking back, and then we'll we'll talk about uh, looking forward. And my sister was actually talking to me about about what question she would ask you if she got the opportunity to do it. And I thought her question was actually a fair one, which was when you were in the midst of everything, understanding that people get caught up in exaggerations or mistruths or outright lies in the midst of a campaign. Did you think that you were going to get away with this? Or did you always realize that in the back of your brain that your uh, trouble with the truth was going to come out? Frank, here's how I'll put it to you. Um, when we make mistakes in life, I don't think we think them through. That's mm-hmm. really the answer. Stupid doesn't usually take a lot of thought. 
isn't put into it. So that's that's the best way I can genuinely answer that question for you. Okay. Um, no, makes sense. And uh, certainly true in my case. <laughs> I can tell you that. All right. Um, when you ran for the first time against Tom Swazi, and then when you ran and won in the uh, election against, uh, against uh, Zimmerman, uh, I was sort of under the impression that you were kind of running as more of a moderate Republican. Now, when you got elected, you made no bones about the direction that you were going to be going as a legislator. It seemed like you were going in a very right-wing direction, uh, voting with uh, the Freedom Caucus on a lot of different issues, no, that's, sponsoring that's legislation. That's not true. That's okay. not true, right? Well, so no, I, so, no offense let to me the just, Freedom Caucus. Go ahead. Go, go, go yeah. ahead, sorry. No, so uh, and I know you weren't with them on the McCarthy thing, but, uh, you know, things like sponsoring legislation to uh, make the AR-15, the uh, National Gun of America. I-, I got the impression that you campaigned a bit differently in terms of the kind of ideology that you'd have in Congress than you ended up being in Congress. So m- my question is, was that a strategic decision on your part to be a bit more conservative once you were elected than you campaigned on because the district is a little bit more purple, maybe even blue? So that's not true, first of all. On the campaign trail, I called abortion barbaric, and I am ex- vehemently anti-abortion. I was a massively pro-Second Amendment advocate throughout the campaign. Uh, I would say that I wasn't as conservative in Congress as I was on the campaign. It's the other way around. I never campaigned Hmm. as a squishy moderate like Nicole Maliotakis and Anthony Disposito or uh, uh, Mike Lawler. I've always campaigned way to the right. Remember, I'm the only candidate throughout this entire process in all these districts that would openly say I'm a Trump supporter come hell or high water. So I don't know where you're getting your information from, but the website's still up. You can go read all those policy positions. They haven't been changed. I am. I've always been through and through conservative. And my slogan's always been, I'm gay, not stupid, because (laughs) just because I'm gay doesn't make me a moderate or a squishy person. I understand fiscal conservative conservative policies. I also understand social conservative policies. They do better. A conservative upbringing will bring people to do better in life and will reduce crime, will reduce poverty. It will just put people in a better direction and overall. In, in life. So I don't know where you're getting your information from, but I can assure you I was probably not conservative enough because I only had a 96.27% conservative rating. It should have been 100, right? But there's some votes that you, you learn you have to take, and they're tough votes. And, you know, I might have caved on one or two here just because it was very pertaining to the district and I had to support and mm-hmm. vote the district I was elected for. And one thing on the AR 15, I don't know if you've ever been to Massapequa, Levittown, but I encourage you to go there and try to say anything otherwise than making the, the AR-15 the national gun. And you tell me how you make out of there. Du- duly noted, duly noted. So now that you're out of Congress, a lot of folks are saying that the most controversial member of both houses of Congress is Senator Bob Menendez. Obviously, uh, you got a lot of attention for the cameo that uh, that you recorded for him at Senator John Fetterman's request. Fetterman is saying what uh, some other folks have said, both in the political circles and among the public. Well, if they got rid of George Santos, what Menendez is accused to have been doing, and he's actually under federal criminal indictment as well, that's much worse than anything Santos did. Now, understanding he's a Democrat and you probably see a lot of issues differently, do you think that the Senate should expel Menendez the way the House expelled you? No, I don't. 
I think he is entitled to due process. I do not think he should be expelled. I will stay by that point. I am not, I am not politically expedient. I don't say things or make decisions based on politics. I make them based on truth or false, fact or fiction. The reality is Senator Menendez is entitled to the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. He is accused. And don't forget, Senator Menendez is a perfect example of somebody who has beat the DOJ on a hung jury in the past. Mm -hmm. So, no, I think everybody expects me to say, yes, light Menendez on fire. Now, that's my opinion. Now, is there precedent now in order to expel him? Yes, there is. And that's incumbent on Chuck Schumer. If he wants to go ahead and be the champion of precedence and the arbitrator of truth and judge, jury and executioner and expel Senator Menendez, that's up to Chuck Schumer. That is not up to me or the Republicans in the House. When you left, obviously, very vocally, both on X and in really every public comment you've made, you have been lighting up many of your colleagues, including several of the ones that you just referenced a minute ago. A lot of folks say this is a a little bitter, right? This might be an example of trying to, uh, you're drowning and you're trying to grab as many of the people around you to bring them down with you. Why not just deal with your own stuff and leave all of your colleagues alone? Why try to go after, why go scorched earth on all of your former colleagues here? So I go, I go down with them all shooting at my ship when their ship is full of rot and garbage. And you think that I shouldn't expose that to the American people. Is that what I'm understanding, Frankie? You think I should be an accomplice and cover up all of their corruption and all of their wrongdoings? Well, look, if you're okay with that and you can sleep at night, that's on you. I'm not going to cover up for anybody. I'm going to call it out and I'm going to shoot the shots as I see them and I'm going to shoot from the hip. Nicole Maliotakis, there is more than enough evidence to suggest that she has engaged in insider trading. That is why I now only refer to her as Nicole Maliotakis. And by the way, that is a nickname that has been adopted internally in the House for months already by other members of Congress. I introduce it and they all joke about it and say it behind her back. It's not a secret what she did with the Signature Bank and the New York, uh, the New York Community Bank stocks. She had privilege information. Uh, on, on top of that, Nick Lalota, when he was board, a commissioner of the Board of Elections in Suffolk County, he attended full-time law school during the day when he was supposed to be clocking in at the Board of Elections. So there is enough room to suggest, and that warrants an investigation, to look into Congressman Lalota to see if he stole public time or not, which I believe if the FBI investigates, they will find alarming issues, especially with uh, the 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 theft of public funds element, and then you can go down the 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 list. Like there's so much unethical behavior. Do you really believe that Senator Menendez's son has no part in his dad's dealing? At least questions should be asked and raised because it is his father. His father has gotten him every job he's ever had, from Fourth Authority all the way to Congress. So to 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 tell me and the American people, no, Menendez Jr. had no clue what was going on with his dad's gold bars and cash stuffed all over the house and the gifted Mercedes and, and yacht uh, and yacht parties or loaners, like a par- luxury apartments. Come on. The American people's not stupid. People need to stop treating Americans like they're stupid and unable to comprehend what is in plain sight, Frank. I'm going to call it out. Enough hypocrisy. Look, 
freaking congressman upstate, Brandon Williams, assaulted, physically assaulted a former staffer Mm. for speaking truth. That is assault. You should never hit. These kids work day in, day out, 12-hour days for us, sometimes 15, 16-hour days for us, and they get undercompensated. They're just trying to make a living and a career for themselves for a pompous, entitled member of Congress to assault them. This is BS, and it should never be accepted at all in any level of government. But let's all point at George Santos and ignore all of our sins because our <laughs> sins are, are okay. Come on. One of the no. one of the people that you referenced a, a little earlier is Congressman Michael Lawler. Now, it was reported by city and state that there were some, you know, very, very troubling allegations that some of his campaigns, whether it was his assembly campaigns, maybe even his congressional campaign, might have actually hired his own consulting firm. He said no. Might have. Basic- it's factual. Well, he's he's claiming that there was uh, sort of a this is my terminology, not his, a, a Chinese firewall that uh, he wasn't necessarily benefiting. Well, what can you tell folks about Congressman Lawler? Because if that's the case, that is incredibly disturbing that you could actually enrich yourself by uh, running for office. I mean, that's one of the things that people were taking issue with you about is supposedly using campaign money for Botox, trips to Atlantic City, and shopping at Hermes to directly pay your own consulting firm. That's even more outrageous. So let's let's do this. If Congressman Mike Lawler wants to say that there was a Chinese wall, prove it. It's very simple. Give forensic accounting. Show the American people that you didn't earn at the end of the year distribution of the revenue from the firm. He won't do that because he can't, because he bragged about it at a fundraiser to me in Center Island at the House of very large Republican donor, Matt Bruderman, when we had a Lee Zeldin fundraiser and Dan Bongino was there. He was bragging about, oh, my God, it's so much cheaper to run for me because I just run everything through my consulting firm. It's much easier because then, you know, like it's insane. Now, you don't need to believe me. You don't need to take my word. Okay, just follow the math. Follow the documents. Go on the FEC. See how much money went from Lawler for Congress to Checkmate Strategies and then a forensic accounting of 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 Checkmate Strategies to see how much of that money went into Michael Lawler's pocket. Very simple. That's literally money laundering at its most conventional way of showing campaign, company, company, candidate, candidate loans money to campaign. They're recycling and laundering money. I'm just giving you an example of what could be. So please. Uh, ask, challenge the congressman to go out there and actually prove me wrong. Yeah, he's welcome to come on this program anytime. Uh, happy to have him anytime, and he can address that. Uh, let, you've also been quite critical of uh, not just in this discussion in general of my congressperson Nicole Maliotakis, and I, I think most of the audience knows she and I are, are friends for a long time. I have no idea what's going on with her uh, stock trading or anything like that. I'm not in a position to ask you anything about that. But one thing that uh, I did take issue with, and I think others may as well, is the implication that she sort of um, closeted and gay. Now, uh, you're openly gay, but honestly, what business is it of yours or anyone what her sexuality is? I mean, you know the difficulty that a lot of gay folks have uh, in terms of dealing with the uh, public outcry or a lot of different things. What business is it of ours who she may want to sleep with? 
Well, maybe she should reconsider when she decides uh, she she decides to go attack my husband and my niece like she did, along with other Republicans from New York, because it's all very great. You all are all super supportive of them. They attack me. Nobody says anything. The moment I say something back, you all clutch your pearls. It's it's so hypocritical, Frank. I'm sorry. Like my family was run through the mud by members of Congress on the House floor of the United States. And when I say one thing that's uncomfortable about one of the members, everybody clutches their pearls in, in, in absolute horror. I'm sorry. Look, you know what? At least the truth will set me free. And I want it to share all of the truth with everybody in America. And I encourage all of my closeted friends in the Republican and Democrat Party to come out of the closet and live a truthful life. Tell your constituents they deserve to know because the amount of lies and people living in denial in Washington, D.C., in the public sphere, elected members of Congress. It is insane to me that they've gotten away with it this long. Let's talk about what you're doing now. It's been reported widely that you've made more money in a week or so on Cameo than you would have in an entire year as a member of Congress. Uh, Is that true? Is what you've been making on Cameo that lucrative? I know that you've raised your prices because of the demand. The reports are absolutely factual. Yes, it is true. Well, I mean, good for you. That's great. And as you said, I'm sure you have a lot of legal bills to uh, to pay. Yep. Some some Not folks like will I'm hear pocketing it. It's gonna go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, some folks will hear that and they'll say, "Look." Uh, George Santos is famous not because he authored great legislation, but he's famous because of a scandal or a multitude of scandals. And some folks will say, well, that sends a message that you can make money from doing something bad, maybe even something that is criminal. Do you think it sends that message? No, it's not true. George Santos is only this prominent because the media obsessed with a gay man a Republican conservative who took a seat that the Democrats never dreamt of losing in the middle of New York City. That is exactly why they turned me into this, because they needed to destroy the one person that can single handedly go out there and say, you don't have to be a Democrat if you're gay. It has nothing to do with your sexuality. You can very much be a free thinker and allow diversity of thought into your brain. That is the threat I was for the Democrat Party. And they decided that not only are they going to attack me, because, look, Frank, how many people in Congress have been exposed for telling lies? I'm not justifying lying. I'm not. I think it's wrong. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I've apologized on national television. But how many of them are outright liars? Look at the president of the United States. But the media has never corralled around a single politician the way they did at me in the history of this country. They did this. And then I was able to cross over out of politics and start talking public policy to a much younger generation and creating a following by authoring bills with clever names like the Menage Act, the Swift Act, because that is how you engage youth. I care about engaging the next generation and trying to bring them to the conservative movement. Unlike my colleagues who think that they're not, they don't need Gen Zers. They don't need millennials. That is wrong. So sure, you want to chastise me, you want to say, and you want to have your perception. I have a slight disagreement with you, my friend, on why it is that I am in the position I am today. It is because of an obsession 
obsession of the national media, along with the Democrat Party and people in the Republican Party who would complain openly to former Speaker McCarthy. He's sucking all the air. We can't get an interview in. We can't get onto any newspapers locally. The radio stations, all they talk is George Santos, George Santos. So what they thought would be smart is we're going to go anti-George Santos and it's going to be better for us. Guess what? They didn't build their profiles. I'm telling you, some of these guys, if you put them in a lineup, most Americans wouldn't know they're a member of Congress. I know it's late, and I'm going to let you go. You've already been incredibly incredibly generous with your time, but I want to do a couple of quick questions, and maybe we can almost do this lightning round style just to get these in because folks are going to be curious about this. Obviously, there's now a vacancy for your seat. There's a special election coming up in February. Who would you like to see succeed you? I would like to see a conservative with the same backbone as me, but unfortunately, the Republican Party is about to nominate either a Democrat donor who donated almost $40,000 to Tom Suozzi's gubernatorial race or a registered Democrat who is elected as a Republican, which is a good person, and I like her. But unfortunately, the perception and message that sends of a registered Democrat being Wilson Pakulid onto the Republican line is weak. Get her to register as a Republican or don't run her. Um, as far as the special election goes, I mean, I think it's ridiculous, especially when you once you announce that you were already not running for re-election, that the taxpayers have to foot the bill for a new election, that the parties, Democrat and Republican, they're going to have to spend all this money. And you have a district that's going without representation for three months. I mean, everybody is a loser in this, as except for the politicians that got to throw you out. It's not lost on me that the tip of the spear for spelling you was your colleagues on Long Island, especially in, um, you know, the newly elected ones. Do you believe that the reason that the Long Island delegation was so vocal in pushing for your expulsion is that because if it's a special election, they get to have their uh, county leader, Joe Cairo, pick the nominee rather than if you had just finished your term, anybody that wanted to run in a primary could run? Is that the reason you think the New York delegation pushed for this? It's that coupled with the fact that it was politically expedient. Look, here's a reality. All the liberals that were calling all of their offices and partnering with them and showing up to protest, now that I'm gone, guess what they're going to turn their energy on? They're going to turn it around and they're going to attack them because they're never going to vote for them. So all those people who were lining up for press conferences, the bipartisan concerned citizens of NY3 were nonpartisan. Our only issue is getting George Santos out of Congress. Now they've already started changing their tone to, well, you took 11 months to do it. You didn't act fast enough. You lied to us. These guys are kidding themselves if they think that they're going to convince the opposition to support them. That's just they're dwelling within a delusional uh, set of expectations. As you said, you've been a Trump supporter for a long time. Uh, there's, according to the polls, a very good chance that Donald Trump could be elected again next year. Are you hoping for a pardon from President Trump? And if you got one, Have would you I accept convicted? one? Did, did you convict me and not tell me, Frank? I, I, I didn't, but look. So, uh, so there is your a, question is rhetorical. So the answer is enough, a, a non-question. All right. Uh, You might be the best person to ask this question to or the worst. But given what you've seen in Congress, how would you reform Congress? What reforms could be made systemically to make sure that Congress wasn't continually acting in an unethical manner? 
term limits and campaign fundraising limits. Everybody campaign on the same plan on, on the even playing field. We should create caps on how much an individual campaign can raise at the very top. And we should also create a cap and term limits for politicians because it is all money games. I'll give you a very good example. Mrs. Kay Granger, the chairwoman of the Appropriations Committee, the law, the biggest failure in Congress today, the woman who, who chairs the committee that was supposed to have appropriations all on time to fund our government without continued resolutions during the debate of a CR that eventually got the Speaker of the House vacated. She got up. This is because of her dereliction of duty. She got up and said, I can't sit for this. I have to go because I have a fundraiser with my top lobbyist. Even though she knew she was going to be retiring this Congress, she still did that because they all want to retire and, like Pete King, have a million bucks in their, in their campaign accounts to pay for their frivolous political lives post-Congress to go to their cocktail fundraisers or rubber chicken dinners okay. and keep peddling influence. Let's talk post-Congress. Uh, what do you want to do next? You're still a very young man, clearly very articulate, very intelligent. Whatever happens with the criminal case happens. You mentioned that you're writing a book, but if you had your druthers, what would you like to do? Is it another run for office? Is it something else? What do you want to do? Frank, I'm not done with public service. I want to go back to Congress. I'm not saying today. I'm not saying tomorrow. I'm 35. I have a lot of things I need to take care of first. I think we all know. But I do have hopes of trying to regain the trust of the American people and going in there because I will continue to expose and root out the rot in our federal government. That's my you goal. Were, you were an incredibly popular Halloween costume this year. A lot of people wearing the sweater under the suit look with some glasses. Some people have said you've popularized this. Other folks have said you, you've ruined it. As a fashion plate, George Santos, what is your legacy when it comes to the sweater under the suit look? Well, just look at Nicola Loda and 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 uh, Anthony Diasposito. They're even copying my look now. They're showing up in quarters that's under their suits and sweater vests. So I'd say I'm a trendsetter, and they ha they had no option other than understand that I have a sense of style and that I just don't wear the same cheap cut suits over and over like they all do. And they started diversifying. So at least I bought some color to Congress. Uh, lastly, uh, George Santos, I uh, I know maybe I asked you a couple of questions that were, uh, you know, a little challenging. I don't think anything unfair, but I'm hoping that the next time you're at the Beach Cafe and you pick up the tab for the whole restaurant, I can be invited. I mean, I love the Beach Cafe. It sounds like it was quite a party I missed this past weekend. Frank, I will say this about that story. It is false. I did not pick up the tab. I did not order pizza for 35 people. Matter of fact, I was there with friends. A friend of mine ordered two pizzas on her Uber app so that we can eat pizza because the Beach Cafe kitchen was closed already. We ate whatever we wanted, and the rest of the pizza sat there on the table. People helped themselves do it. I wasn't feeding no restaurant and much less buying booze for everybody. My tab was small. Consumer it with what I consumed and my two other friends that were there with me consumed, and we left. We did not close the place down. This is all 
publicity by the owner who wanted to prop up publicity for his restaurant and went ahead and violated a off-the-record gathering that I was having with my three friends and other patrons that were there hanging out after the New York Young Republican Gala. So don't believe everything you read in the media because that story has also been updated by Ian at the New York Post's page six. Uh, I am glad glad I asked you about that. Hey, uh, Congressman, I uh, appreciated the conversation. I hope you'll come back. You bet. Thank you, Frank. All right. If you want to comment on any portion of my discussion with George Santos, you can give us a call 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. You make me feel so young. You make me feel so spring has sprung. And every time I see you grin, I'm such a happy individual. The moment that you speak I want to go play hide and seek I want to go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon The great Frank Sinatra Today would have been his birthday He was born today in 1915 So he would be about 108 if my math is correct Uh, You know whose birthday it also is today? It's Johnny Russo And Johnny Russo, who obviously played Carlo in The Godfather Has been a guest on this show many times This is a birthday bumper music selection from him And uh, he says that Frank Sinatra was his first mentor when it came to singing. And on his seventh birthday, December 7th, Johnny Russo's seventh birthday, Carlo Gambino, the mob boss, set a transistor radio in his hospital room and with his niece Dolores. He sent a, a, a transistor radio with his niece Dolores to Johnny Russo's hospital room. And he became addicted to Frank Sinatra. And this song, You Make Me Feel So Young, was one of his big hits at the time. And uh, Johnny Russo clearly was a fan. All right, 800-848-9222. If you have any feedback or commentary on the uh, interview that we just conducted with George Santos, I'd love to hear it. And, uh, you know, even if it's criticism, I can certainly take it. We're going to talk a little bit more about Frank Sinatra next hour. Rocco is in Saratoga. Hi, Rocco. Hello, Frank. That was incredible. An incredible interview. Unbelievable. The best interview I've ever heard. Ever. Frank, you are a superstar. And if not, this will make you a superstar. The congressman... I love them. Run again. Write the book. I support you. Total honesty that we've never had before. Never. Never. Thank you, Rocco. Hey, uh, those of you that are holding, I will get to you after the top of the hour. We'll also talk Sinatra and more in just a couple of minutes. Uh, 800-848-9222. I have a lot of other fun stories that I'll uh, share with you. It's not going to be all politics. You're going to talk music. 
Sinatra. <laughs> there some other funny stories in the news that uh, others have missed. Also, if you want to comment on anything I said with respect to the St- uh, Supreme Court fast-tracking their consideration of the Trump case, let me know. Until next hour, your influence counts. Music. Music.